Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. If your child has started school this year, chances are it's the first time they will be learning to read from a book. Sitting by your child as they struggle through their home readers can be insightful. Not the least is into your own levels of patience. But the truth is, your child has been building a pathway to learning how to read for a long time. That's according to Louise Park, reading expert and author of Seven Steps to Get Your Child Reading. Hi, Louise. How are you? Hi. Good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. So how much preparation for reading can happen before a child starts school? Enormous amounts. I cannot begin to tell you. And it's all incidental and it's all beautiful. So oh, it's I like not that. hard work. And it's, and it's not about teaching them their letters, is it? It is not about teaching them their letters. It is not about going through the pain of any of that. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I would avoid that at all costs. It's all about the beauty of sharing and a love of all of it. So... Okay, well, let's have a talk about what that looks like, because in your book, you really do start from the very beginning. Mm. Why is it important for us to be talking to our babies and our toddlers? What has that got to do with reading? When you learn to read, you're drawing on all of the things that you know. You don't realise you're doing it. We don't realise we're doing it because we've been reading forever and we're competent readers. But with children, words on paper are actual thoughts and speech coming out of your mouth and they gain an understanding that that black squiggle stuff on the page is actually speech written down and thoughts from your brain and they learn that from this complete immersion. Now you can appreciate if there was a child who, uh, for example, perhaps they had a hearing impediment that wasn't picked up and they weren't immersed in that language and they couldn't hear they don't acquire speech. So they come to a book and they don't have any base. They don't have any base to draw from. One of the things that I've written in my book is that fact, the size of a child's vocabulary when they start school is the biggest influence of how easily and how successfully they will learn to read. And if they come to school with a fairly small vocabulary for whatever reason, they are going to struggle and they will be behind their peers, and that gap will grow unless they're identified quickly and picked up. So That's so interesting because there are still parents who think if they don't know their alphabet, they're going to be behind. But what you're saying is essentially language, Language. being immersed in language, hearing, speaking. Excellent. My kids won't have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) They never shut up. Uh, and <laughs> Don't you love those things that you, you know you can't squash it because they need it? But it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, especially my son who always asks who's going to win out of varying different creatures. The latest was a um, was Godzilla and a Kraken. <laughs> which, is, which would win, Mum? A Godzilla or a Kraken? Okay, let's move on. Um, <laughs> so let's say you've got a baby. Um, and, of course, babies are nonverbal, and, mm. and even when they're toddlers, mm. many of us aren't making sense of what they're saying. Mm. Does that matter? Oh, it's so important. I can't. I mean, does it matter that we don't get what they're saying or does no, it matter that no, they're not? No, no. What matters is that you interact and you keep interacting. Okay. I, I, I give this funny example because my um, 
my husband, his children have had babies and we were babysitting them and, and one was, you know, nine months old making noises all around my house and I was making noises all the way back and just kept doing it. And he was laughing this one day and said to his daughter, she makes all these weird noises back at her like I was mad. <laughs> and he said, it just goes on all day. And I said, if you were talking to me and I ignored you, how would you feel? And he said, but that's just noise. And I said, no, that's talking. That's engaging. That child is telling me something. That child is looking at me and making a sound. I might not know what it is, but I'm going to respond and I'm going to put the words there. And eventually they're going to pick those words up. It's, that, that's communication. Yeah, no? and, and <laughs> comprehension, which is a big part mm. of reading, but I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, so that's what it looks like in the early years, talking. Yeah. And then as they get older, I mean, look, you can start reading books to a baby, mm. but children really respond to picture books at a certain age. Yes. It is a beautiful thing to do with your child, but what's happening when you're reading a picture book to them? Well, I think I say in my book, don't feel you have to read the whole book when they're very little. If you, if you read a page or two and that's it, they're crawling off your lap, great. You've made a mark. Eventually they'll stay longer. Some books won't grab them. Fine, let them go. Some books will grab them and they'll stay and keep reading. While, while they're having that experience, they're hearing this beautiful language. They're hearing a story told. They're understanding how a book actually works. They're seeing that you turn the pages, you follow on from left to right. All these little things that they're learning that you don't realise they're taking in. That just, just that, that they know that the words are going from left to right. That they can see what's going on in the illustration. All those wonderful things about books, they're all pre-reading skills that they're picking up and so when they come to reading they've got all that wonderful base to draw on so it's not it's not you know I mean I say it's not just about sharing a beautiful story because that's amazing but if they want to revisit that book again and again and again and again and again, oh, you've won. <laughs> I was going to say, tell us why you've won in that scenario. Because most parents are going, if I have to read this book oh, one no. more time, <laughs> no. I'm going to throw it out the window. I know. I've been there. I write about it when I was been there. <laughs> <laughs> so why is it a win if they love the one book? You know, like anything, I think parents watch children. They say to me, oh, my child, you know, if I buy them a computer game, it's such good value because I just play it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And then when it comes to reading a book and they're going to read it over and over again, it's like, no, what are they doing that for? Move on, move on. But I think no, they're missing out on so much because when they read it over and over again, they're cementing their knowledge and they're starting to practice their reading for themselves. And they will get to a point where they start you know, this is two-year-old, will start reading that story to you and it'll be in their own words and it'll be approximations and it won't be precise in the way you would read it verbatim, but they are reading you that book and celebrate that and let them turn the page and let them point to the words and let them do all of those things. And the more they visit that, the more they, they just start to recognise words. They'll point to words and they'll know those words. And that's when all that really good, rich reading stuff goes on. Talk to me about what's happening in, their, in a child's brain as they're actually learning to read. Because earlier you mentioned that as adults, we forget all the things that we bring to reading because it's so natural. It comes mm. so naturally to most mm. of us. When my daughter started school and she was doing her readers, I was like, this 
is so painful <laughs> because it's so hard and I don't know why it's so hard because I knew how to read. It's yeah. like, what's, you know, obviously when you acquire a language and you try to start learning a new language, you can understand why that's difficult. But yeah. for some reason with reading, yeah. it's like, why is this so hard for you? <laughs> I mean, I know why, but it doesn't <laughs> yeah. stop it being frustrating. It is frustrating. It's slow. One of the interesting things about reading is that we are an oral race and we've been telling stories orally for 60,000 years or more and we've only been writing and reading for maybe 5,000 or whatever it is that I put in my book. I can't keep statistics in my head very well, but it's in there. Read it. You'll see it. <laughs> <laughs> not as long um, as we've been speaking. Then, not as say. long as we've been speaking. Like you know, many, many, many years. So our brains are wired to speak. And when we read, we actually repurpose that part of our brain, that oral bit, and we make it visual. So it's quite hard. And I think, you know, we think, well, children learn to talk by this immersion in speech, so they're going to learn to read by this immersion in books. Some do, which is fantastic, and some won't because their brains, for whatever reason, don't access those superhighways as fast as others and they're going down all the back roads and taking longer and working really hard at it, probably 20 times harder than the child who's on the superhighway and just learning to read. It's not These kids that are struggling to read, they're not lazy. They're working much, much harder than the others. It's just that their brains have to be taught to use those pathways in a more efficient way. And then they'll, then they'll get through. But, I mean, a child's got to look at a word. They've got to go into their visual memory. They've got to store that word or try and pull that word out. Then they've got to go to their auditory senses and work out the sounds if they, if they haven't recognised it and blend those sounds and put that word together. Then they've got to read the sentence and have some comprehension of the meaning there to actually know what that word is so sometimes they might be reading on to figure out for example the word tear or tear which one is it they might read tear and they've got to read on and think oh, I sounded that out okay and that's the word I'm sure but that doesn't make sense so they've got to go back and read again and then they're like oh, okay well it's a tear there was a tear in a dress whatever there's a there's a lot that they've got to pertain to once it all clicks they fly and it's fast but in that, in that period, it can be painful. And some, some kids will prefer one avenue more than others, but unless we give them the whole suite of skills, they haven't got enough to draw on, I think. So let's go back to the child that's learning to read this year, that initial <laughs> hill to mm. climb. Most parents, their experience with this will be through the home reader mm. and it will be through the homework, whether it's reading one a week or one a night or whatever the school has mm. set. What, is your, what are your thoughts on that as, as a parent? Is that all we should be doing with them or is it the best thing we can be doing with them? And I say this thinking I find them boring. I know my mm. kids find them boring and it's hard for me because I love reading. And I, lo mm. I know they love being read to, but as soon as they start having to read about how to cook muffins or whatever it might be. There's <laughs> no, no, there was one about how to paint the fence. Ooh. <laughs> exactly. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> so I, I'm just curious how you feel as parents in this phase when it's going to be the hardest part for them. We're going to have to be patient. But speaking for our children, it's going to be hard for them to learn to read and they've got home readers what can we do to help them through that phase? 
I'm almost too scared to get into this <laughs> discussion because no, um, go on. I know, I know. I mean, I think there's still a war going on in the whole pedagogy of teaching. There's definitely a very strong movement now for phonics, and you'll be seeing more and more phonics controlled readers coming home. And unless they're really good, they're bloody terrible. <laughs> so what does that mean with phonics <laughs> readers? Does that mean it shows you how to... They're completely... The reading environment is completely controlled by the way they're learning their groups of sounds. Right. So in week one or week two, if they've learnt S-T-M-A-P, you're going to get readers that are be cat on the mat with the pap and the whatever. <laughs> <laughs> The paparazzi yeah. came in, took a photo of the cat on the mat. That's a, that's a good story. I'd like that, home reader. That could be really good. <laughs> but just as an example of what can be a really good one and what can be a really bad one, like you, you can get Pops out on top and what God knows, or you can get Andy Griffiths, the mat with the bat and the and it's darn hilarious and makes them laugh. Well, it's using the same principles. So there's... There's something that will really engage and then there are things that are just really there to teach that way. So there's those home readers and then there are other home readers that are controlled by sight words and sentence length and you'll get your word lists and they'll be learning those words and these books will support those words and they're not, they're not phonic-based really. There might be some rhyme there or whatnot. So really the home readers, are, to me they're an attempt to make sure that at least a child is going to get five minutes of reading a book and let's try and make that as pleasurable as we can and move on to something beautiful. <laughs> That's basically my take on it. I mean, to to immerse a child in a world of beautiful, rich literature, there's, there's not a better gift you can give them. To allow them to practice on a home reader is a wonderful thing, but don't labour it and don't die over it and don't fall on your sword with it because there's more to it than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just not the beginning and the end and it's just not that important if you're on level green and your friend is on level... Yes, because that know, can worry parents. Oh, can't and it? it can worry kids something terrible, which is just horrible. Like that whole comparative thing and kids learn to read at their own pace just as they learn to do everything else, walking, talking, all of it. They do it at their own pace. And if there's no blocks and they will be picked up early, they are going to get there. And you will turn them off the reading experience if they're just down in that drudge the whole time. Who wants to be put through that as painful? <laughs> you know, we, we don't like that. We don't like to have to force ourselves through something we don't read, and we're readers. Can you imagine how quickly it would turn off a child if you were forced to read through something that doesn't grab them all the time? That's you know. a really good point. Yeah. So in that context, um, I know there's lots of parents out there like me that love reading to their kids, that read to them before mm. bed, and it's part mm. of the best part of the day in mm. some ways, particularly if you get to choose the book. <laughs> yeah. um, is it important to keep reading to your child even when they're reading themselves? I think it is. Yeah, I absolutely think it is. And I think it's that whole thing of valuing the reading experience and showing them that you want to be part of that and you want to keep that going and and just for them to enjoy having you read with them they might read a bit you can read a bit you can talk about what's going on and who you like most in there and what you think is going to happen and what you hope is going to happen and you know 
and it's just having that conversation so it's something that they can share with you and I think as long as you can keep that going the better. I think it is important that children have some power over what they're what they're reading in oh, some really? arena. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Lucky because we both the, like the same kinds of books. At I the know, because <laughs> that, that is one of the things. If, they, if, if you involve them, if they're invested in the choice of what they're reading, they're more likely to read it and persist with it and talk to their friends about it and all of those things. One of the yeah. things you were talking about earlier was um, comprehension. Mm. So teachers will say, I remember one parent teacher night, they were saying, look, there are kids in the class who are going to chapter books and we don't necessarily want them to go to chapter books yet because they they think that's a status thing, that they can read chapter books. But a lot of them don't understand what they're about. They, their comprehension isn't mm. there yet. Mm. So how important, I mean, it sounds like a stupid question, but how important is comprehension when it comes to reading and how do you know that a child is actually Getting it. Getting it, yeah. This is really interesting because my next-door neighbour's little boy is a fantastic reader and, and fantastic vocabulary. And he was wanting to charge through books that were big novels, but the content was just way above him and he wasn't getting it. And he really couldn't cope with being told. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. And it had to be done in such a such a careful way because he could actually decode those, you know, let's say Harry Potter at age six. Wow. Yeah, but really wasn't comprehending because he just wasn't there yet. So it really takes, you know, the school librarian and the school, the, the teacher and your public librarian to help you find those books because they're there, books that are much more extensive novels but are still pitched for those kids that are doing really, really well. The match between the reader and the book is really critical. It's really critical. And particularly when they they actually can read because um, they say that a 90% accuracy in reading. So if you're, uh, if you're able to read 90% of the words on a page, for example, that 10% of words that you're struggling to to read will extend you, you'll learn new words and you'll, you know, learn new vocabulary as well, but it won't interrupt your meaning and your understanding of your meaning. But if you drop below 90%, you lose it. Wow. So it's real, it's, yeah. As you mentioned, when you're at school, uh, first time school is the first time your kid goes to school, first time you've, as a parent, you're experiencing that world. And children can be at lots of different levels. Mm. And you can worry. You, if there's mm. anything you don't want your child to fall behind mm. in, it's reading. Mm. At what point should we expect our children to be competent readers? As in reading on their own without support. Gosh, um, it, it does vary, but this is what I think. <laughs> From all my years of teaching, yep, this is my opinion. Mm-hmm. If I've got a child at the end of year one that isn't looking ready to fly, I'm worried. So by the end of kindergarten, some kids will be reading all their readers and, you know, just racing through their thing. Some kids will be just starting to do that, but you can see that they're doing that quite well. In year one, they really they really start to fly. And in year one, if they're not looking like that, then some intervention needs to happen. And the earlier, the better. 
What are your thoughts on programs that you can get on devices to help children read? So there are things like Reading Eggs. There are lots of programs out there which are basically games that can help a child learn phonics or yeah. how to read generally. How do you feel about yeah. them? Okay, if you go onto my author website, www.louisepark.com.au and go into the seven steps link, the seven steps for helping your child read. There are a whole pile of downloadables for every chapter for this book and there's a downloadable for digital games and digital platforms like that that I feel are the best of the best and Reading Eggs is up there. Oh, good. That's good yeah. to know. Because Absolutely. You, you do talk as well at the start of your book about that struggle, that tension between screen time yeah. and book time. Yeah. And you'd rather children were using less screens... Uh, as we all would, let's be yeah. honest. I'd rather uh, adults. I think I want to. I, I want to restore the balance. That's what I'm after. I just want the balance between technology and books and writing by hand to be restored because children are arriving at school not having had enough experience with pencils anymore and pens and actual writing process. Reading and writing go hand in hand. They're like breathing in and breathing out. You don't get one without the other. So if they're you know, tapping and pinching and swiping way more than they're scribbling and that's going to hurt mm. and you're going to see it play out. So it's it's just more that books in the home have that equal profile and a value just as much as, as the digital. And for me, the digital space is like absolutely anything you would do. You, If you were taking your child to a movie, you would be selective. You would be curating what you're going to see. You're not going to take them to some rubbish and waste your money. You're going to take them to something good. Make the digital experiences worthwhile. Make them count. I bet people heard the title Seven Steps to Get Your Child Reading and went, awesome, I'm going to find out the seven steps. And I have not asked you to define those steps because otherwise then what's the point? They're not going to read the book. Um, but we've ha- we've but t- also I can't just <laughs> pull them out of my head in, in without the book minutes? in front of me right now. Why I mean, no, not? I know. Take you right through the entire book. <laughs> it would be too much. But obviously this is a taste of, of what is in your book. So if people are interested, um, the book is Seven Steps to Get Your Child Reading. I'll put a link in the notes of this episode. Louise, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you for having me. It was really a pleasure to be here. That's Louise Park. She's an education expert and the author of Seven Steps to Get Your Child Reading. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.